0: Hi there welcome to the shift control podcast or welcome back to the shift control podcast my name is Paul McAnallen thanks for joining me this uh, episode is a conversation with a lady called Siobhan Doherty Siobhan is the CEO of the uh, only mental health charity in the north um, it's called aware and um, they deal exclusively with those people who suffer from depression and bipolar disorder um, I suppose in, in in recent weeks we have seen um, celebrities, people like Bruce Springsteen and more recently um, Tyson Fury, the boxer, heavyweight boxer, who have come out and discussed fairly openly the battles they've had with uh, depression and um, it 's a conversation that perhaps doesn 't sit all that comfortably with some people but it 's important that people find that they can talk and uh, this conversation is is more about the organization aware what services they offer um to individuals and to businesses um, across the north in the past i 've had a couple of uh podcasts with frank liddy frank is the is a colleague of um chavons and he's the go to guy in Belfast for mindfulness um But Siobhan goes in a little bit deeper into the uh, other services that AWARE offers. A very interesting conversation. Um, I hope you uh, enjoy it. If you need to... um get any further information on AWARE, they can be reached on um, www.aware-ni.org. And if you want to get in touch with Frank on some mindfulness stuff, uh, Frank's available on mindfulness at aware-ni.org. Um, but I hope you enjoy this episode and I, I'll talk to you later. Siobhan, um, good afternoon or good morning actually from sunny Duncourne Gardens. Hello Paul. Um, right, so... We had a wee bit of a chat before we've um, gone on air here um, and I think it's about three years since I first came in to see you um, about, I suppose, some consultancy work, I guess. Um, And the organisation, AWARE, has rebranded since then, hasn't it? That's
1: right, yes. Gone through a massive change process.
0: Okay, so if you were to describe the organisation to people who are listening now, what is it?
1: Okay, AWARE is the National Depression Charity for Northern Ireland. And basically what we do is we provide a range of well-being programs to people in communities across Northern Ireland. Um, and basically they're to promote positive mental health because all of us have mental health and we have to look after it. But many people don't know really how to look after their mental health. So our programs teach you about the signs and symptoms of depression, what mental health is, what it is not, when it becomes a mental illness. But really the core message is look after your mental health, treat it well as you do your physical health because none of us would walk across the road uh, in front of a car because we're so conscious of our physical health. In fact, there are things that we can do and often do that are bad for our mental health. So really, it's about educating people about, about mental health, promoting positive mental health strategies. But we also do a lot of work to help those affected by the illness of depression, which is really core to what we as an organisation do because depression in Northern Ireland is so common.
0: Um, so you say common. How, how common?
1: One in five of the population at some stage in their life will have the illness of depression. It is the leading cause of disability in the world, as dictated by the World Health Organization. They have come up with the statistics, 350 million people worldwide affected by the illness of depression. And I think when, pe- when people think about depression, sometimes they think about the weather. Oh my God, that weather so depressing. Or oh my goodness, I've got a hangover, I'm so depressed. What they don't realize is that depression is an illness, yeah. right? And a very serious illness that if left untreated can lead someone to thoughts of suicide and maybe completing suicide. So I think that's a key message I would like to get across to you today, Paul, is okay. the, the severity of the illness of depression.
0: Okay, so the one thing, um, uh, it's, it's a, the example you used in the middle about your physical health mm-hmm. and the focus that we have today on eating the right kind of foods, going to the gym four or five times a week, um, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that, cut down on alcohol. Everybody seems to talk about heart disease, cancer, everything else. But depression is just a really dirty word. It's a dark word that people don't like talking about.
1: That's exactly it. And uh, there is so much good work going on. I mean, the Minister for Health launched a new campaign to encourage people to talk about their mental health just on Monday, which was World Mental Health Day. The public health agency are doing spectacular work around encouraging people to open up Because depression is a dirty word. There's huge stigma attached to depression and all our mental health illnesses. Um, And what we would try and encourage people to do is, do you know what? Depression is a word, right? Treat it as it is, but seek help. If you think that you are depressed, and a lot of people don't know what depression is, you see as well. So we have a, a role to educate people on the illness, what it feels like, what the signs and symptoms are, what to do if you think you are depressed. So part of our role really is to educate the public on depression as a public health issue. So what I would say is, you know, say for example, if you are not sleeping as well as you used to, or you're waking up during the night, if you have lost your appetite, if you have a really low mood that persists, that just doesn't shake off in a Monday afternoon when you get used to the fact that the working week has started again, you know, that you have lost interest in your appearance, you have lost interest in doing things that you once enjoyed. These are symptoms of depression. If those symptoms persist for two weeks, we would encourage people very strongly to go to their GP. Mm -hmm. Because that's your first line of contact with the health service is your GP. And GPs are seeing depressed people in through their doors day in and day out. So, you know, some people are very embarrassed to go in and say, doctor, this is how I feel. Not realizing that, you know, the doctor has probably seen... 10, 15 other people in the surgery that day
0: but this this is the thing about uh, it's probably just not just Ireland or the north um, but there's this there's definitely a stigma attached to uh, to depression when it comes to a admitting um, B discussing it with a stranger because the, the chances are you most likely will want to discuss it with a stranger mm. or somebody you know. But is, is that just um, a backdrop a backdrop to all this, the last 30 or 40 years of the conflict in the North? Or is that just regionally typical? Is it one in five? Is it um, specific to any demographic? I mean, there's three or four questions there, Siobhan. But yeah. It, it, could be, it affects everybody and anybody.
1: And it doesn't discriminate. Yeah. So it could be you, it could be me, it could be that boxer Tyson Fury has now says that he's given up his title because he is depressed and has been taking cocaine, which... You know, is these things, these help? unhelpful things that people do yeah. when they're depressed, alcohol, drugs, you know, eating too much, smoking too much, being taking risks with your own physical health. Um, you know, there are certain things that really people shouldn't be doing, yeah. but it's, it's common. Depression is common. Anybody can have it at any stage. And you're talking young people as well. I mean, the statistics around young people in Northern Ireland who are being diagnosed with the illness of depression. Is quite high yeah you know and for us as an organization who deliver our programs into post-primary schools to an age group where you know there are changes taking place they're moving from childhood into adulthood adolescence and all the hormonal changes that are taking place that would be more vulnerable to poor mental health so the program that we take into schools really is emotional education it's looking at your emotions and saying here hold on a wee second pythagoras theorem yes you're very very interesting however how to look after my mental health how to recognise the signs and symptoms of poor mental health is equally as important to me as I move through my life. Yeah. So it's a generational thing. So what we're trying to do is build that resilience in young people because life for young people now is different than it was for me. Yeah. Or perhaps you. Um, there are so many more different challenges going on now. You have so much access to devices and all of that online, Snapchat.
0: But you're, you're living today, I mean, I probably... In, in the quieter moments, most people of, of certainly my generation would be very, very grateful that social media didn't exist back in the day because you're living your life uh, through a lens that's distorted. Uh, people are looking for perfection. People's yeah. version of perfection is distorted by media. Mm, media strange. is run by uh, idiots. And, <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're, they're not really... They're doing stuff to sell. They're not doing stuff to educate and benefit. They're that's just right. doing stuff to sell. So mm-hmm. people are caught in a really, really uh, challenging this is challenging time. for You wouldn't want to be growing up like a 14 or 15-year-old running around Belfast I with know. all the pressures. Social pressures must be tough. I know.
1: But social pressure, I mean, social pressure even for my age group is still tough. For every age group, For yeah. every age yeah. group. But yeah. when you look at young people, right, so they're, they're, they're coming up through life and they're going to school, and that's why we do it in schools, because, do you know what, every child in Northern Ireland is obligated to go to school until they reach, what is it, 16 yeah. years of age, yeah. 18 years of age. Um so getting young people in an environment where they're used to be being together and talking to them openly and with a bit of fun, Paul. You know, you're not going to lecture them about mental health is and is not and this is what you must do. Actually it's interactive and it's fun and it really is to help young people to see through all of those myths that are surrounding them day in and day out and to understand the impact not only of their behaviour on themselves, but the impact of their behaviour on others. Because we've had these conversations around, you know, body image is so important, Um, young people's body image, young men, young women, having poor body image simply because they're looking at these images on billboards, on Facebook, on Snapchat, they're seeing it everywhere of what perfection looks like. And I mean, God almighty, if you had a freckle on your face, God help you. And even worse, if you had a spot.
0: It's very, very distorted. and, And again, like going back to being in school. Um, growing up, those those thoughts were just not in your head at all. No, um, I, you know, you I just agree. wouldn't have been competing with any of that uh, that that potential social stigma. Mm-hmm. Different kinds of social stigma back then. But I mean, the the children thing. So the children thing is um, uh, evidently an area that you can sort of prehab and you can try to prevent, or at That's least it. create an understanding um, of what depression looks like and that it's okay. Mm-hmm. and we had, we had spoken before um, and it was around the time that that mindfulness um, doc- document or study was released and I had always thought that the word depression just would probably need to be rebranded in, in some kind of way because the minute that you say to somebody you, like if you, if you say to somebody and the example is if you say to someone you've got a, a sore arm or a broken leg they immediately know how to empathise and they, they want to help you and pull up a seat here and don't and, take my yeah, seat and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. And the second you say to somebody, you know, I'm feeling a bit depressed. They almost, you can almost see their shoulders shrug mm-hmm. going like, I don't know how to act. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't want to talk about it. Why are you mm-hmm. talking to me about it?
1: And that's why there are so many education programs. That's why the campaign launched on Monday. Actually, is if you say that you need to rebrand depression, that is stigmatizing depression even further because if, Possibly, you, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you have a requirement to to rebrand cancer what are you doing to cancer cancer is, is an illness and depression is an illness so actually rebranding depression is, yeah, is re-stigmatising depression even further so what I'm saying is actually what you need <clears throat> to do is talk more about depression yeah. The depression becomes the new cancer because I remember my mother telling stories and even when I was growing up nobody said The next door neighbour has cancer. They've either got the big C, or around my part of the country it was the bad boy. Nobody talked about cancer, right? So nobody talks about depression now. It's an embarrassment something to be hidden. But there are a few very brave souls out there who actually have no fear of stigma.
0: Well, you're talking about um, Tyson Fury, but but I think in the last three weeks, uh, Bruce Springsteen, when he launched the book, he'd spent a lot of time talking about in his sixties, between the age of sixty-three and sixty-five, or whatever, it was particularly bad. Particularly bad for him. Mm-hmm. And when you consider somebody who's at the, at that age, who's so fit and healthy, who yes. wants for nothing, who's uh, uh, adored and, uh, and venerated, as much as a, as any kind of religious icon, for them to suffer that, it just, it doesn't discriminate as you say, age-wise demographics. But it yes. doesn't really matter how things look from the outside.
1: Of course, that's it. And you know, I, I was listening to a couple of interviews talking about, uh, oh, the person has depression and they have everything. They have a lovely family. That's they no have balance. A great That's job. no balance at
0: all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, does yeah. it matter
1: whether you have a lovely family or a great job. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Because depression is an illness and it can strike anywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: So regardless of whether you are living in, in like a really deprived community, wherever it is, or you're living in a big mansion somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because depression... You know it's an illness, and anybody can get it
0: there was a friend of mine a few years ago who' sent me an email um talk it was written by a, a silicon valley entrepreneur some guy who went on to make an awful lot of money and he had written he had kind of self diagnosed he was obviously very very self aware and very um very intelligent with that self awareness but he had felt himself getting into the darkness up so up around our way you call it the black dog or you call mm. it the darkness or yeah. do uh, potty o'shea in his in his book uh-huh. talked about the darkness um and this guy in silicon valley talked about his awareness that things were getting particularly dark and what he did he cut out coffee he cut out refined sugar and he cut out nicotine sorry coffee no nicotine maybe he wasn't even a smoker coffee refined sugar and alcohol and he said within 48 hours, his whole mindset changed completely mm-hmm. and he was able to control it. Is there anything in that? Is there, is there anything that studies say that it's about eating? Absolutely.
1: Is it- I mean, diet, exercise, alcohol, all has an impact on your mental health. And there's a, an initiative uh, called the Five Ways to Wellbeing. Right. So that's a very general. It's like your five a day okay your apple and your orange and your bit of cabbage or whatever it is you like so your five fruit and veg a day and this is five things that are good for your mental health so if people practice one or two or three or four or five of these things a day well that protects your mental health and looks after your well-being so things like uh exercise watching your diet um connecting with people connecting with things taking notice giving So these are the five ways to well-being. And if a person can integrate those five things into their daily routine, they are doing an awful lot to protect their good mental health. Right, so the likes of uh, taking notice. So how many times do you walk up the street and don't notice the colour of the leaves?
0: How many
1: times are you driving down the M1? And the beautiful colours of the autumn season are and there even, and you don't, you don't even notice. And you don't
0: notice the police.
1: And you don't notice the police. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Which is one. to your peril, your, your financial one. peril. So I, not I, noticing I, the leaves, <laughs> maybe to your mental health yeah, peril.
0: Yeah, one's probably better for you and the other's uh, not so good for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but taking take notice is the one that I kind of identified. It leads us on probably to that whole um, area of mindfulness. Yes. I've done a couple of podcasts with Frank Liddy who works in the organisation. Um, and I, I got introduced to mindfulness through frank through through here, so i had done you had suggested i 'd done a little bit of consulting with the team. you had suggested you need to try mindfulness is deadly blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Mm-hmm. course was on I think last June in the Ramada and i 've documented it in the other uh, podcast but it 's taken notice and been more aware is it's kind of a new thing for people here it seems to be that it's it's a new
1: thing it's a a relatively new thing for people here but it it is an ancient art
0: yeah you know it's been
1: here for thousands of years frank liddy is the leading practitioner of mindfulness in northern ireland and he works here at aware so basically what we do at aware is deliver our mindfulness program to groups of people to corporates to businesses who know that they're actually aware enough To know that mindfulness is a helpful, uh, I was going to say intervention, but that's a very medicalized term. It's helpful for people, Mm. right? So I did the six week mindfulness course with Frank here, just as part of my my learning as to what mindfulness is, what it is not. Because a lot of people, when you say mindfulness, they go, what, that airy fairy nonsense? Actually, there's a scientific evidence to mindfulness and how mindfulness works for individuals. Um, So I was doing the six-week course and I couldn't believe the impact that it had on me as an an undepressed person, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm not depressed. So I went in with an open mind, right? I didn't have any judgment on what mindfulness would or would not do for me. I went into the course feeling very well. um, And I just wanted to feel mindfulness. I just wanted to sense mindfulness. And the only way you're ever going to know what mindfulness is is by doing mindfulness mm. so it's experiential right so i can read about it in a book i can also read what an apple tastes like but until i bite the apple i have no idea and that's what i would say about mindfulness you can read all about it but until you start to practice guided practice in the first instance with the likes of frank liddy here at aware that is how you actually learn the skill of mindfulness
0: so so, so yes yeah, so i would i would concur completely the session that i went on um you know I, I remember saying to frank afterwards that i came in feeling deadly and i came out feeling deadly and and i felt i felt better because of doing it which is that a reason to do something yeah probably um certainly if somebody told you that if you didn't eat mars bars all day and you walked for a wee bit you'd feel better mm-hmm. you would have to indulge in that you would have to experiment yes, yourself to find out it. and validate and self-validation is really important because everybody mm-hmm. talks today about mindfulness or should Google do it with all their C-level execs and Facebook do it for all their C-level execs and those two companies don't pay their tax either so it's not to say that everything they do is right right or a a pioneering but more and more businesses are becoming aware you're doing a lot of work with corporates right now yeah
1: yep absolutely because I think the corporate clients that we're working with have that awareness about mindfulness Um, and can see the benefits that mindfulness have brought to their staff teams in terms of focus creativity um, actually improving relationships amongst people within the staff team. So there's a lot of stuff that we're doing with mindfulness, which is, is quite new. Um, and the way we deliver it into corporates is so flexible that if you have two hours to devote to mindfulness, we will come in and deliver two hours of really good quality mindfulness. If you have four hours, six hours, 12 hours, we will work with you. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we run, we are a charity, but we run as a business. Right? So it's not as if we're going, oh my goodness me, you have to devote all this time. You know your own business as a corporate, as we do ours, so it's what works for you. But it's just the understanding about what mindfulness is and what it can do for your staff, because mindfulness is an effective treatment for depression, so that's one thing. But stress and anxiety and pressure in the workplace at the moment is the, the biggest cause for people being off sick, for yeah. people taking sick leave. So when you look at it in that way, and you think to yourself, "Well, do you know what? When somebody goes off sick, it's great. Uh, We can do this, this, and this for them, right? So we have all these interventions in place. But you know what about the people who are there who are feeling feeling pressure? And sometimes pressure is really good, Mm -hmm. right? So I like a bit of pressure because it motivates me. But then when it tips over into that stress, you know, when you start to go home and you're taking the work home with you, and you don't know how to stop it, Mm -hmm. and you don't know how to focus on the here and now, because you know what? Looking back at what happened during the day is not helpful. Wondering what's going to happen tomorrow is not helpful because all that does is keep your brain so active that you never, ever have one spot in your day where you have peace of mind.
0: And if you take that into the work, uh, work-life work balance, so you're working all day you're, you're, um, and it doesn't really uh, include exclusively... Say, C-level execs or SMTs this is for everybody so if you can visualise getting up whatever time in the morning going to work, having what you would consider a bad day at work and then coming home and being unable to switch off your extended family your wife, husband, mm-hmm. children all reap the benefits of your bad day and then that exacerbates your problem you go into work the next day feeling doubly bad because you didn't get the time to chill out that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, and some people are resilient and are able to deal with things. Yep. But your uh, your families shouldn't have to necessarily suffer that burden, regardless of how you feel, whether you're in a good mood mood or not. Yeah. And you talked about taking notice. Um, you know, one of the things that I learned from Frank was that there are some times that that if you're in a traffic jam, you can do nothing about that. You can really only control what you can control, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of okay. awareness and self, almost self-determination really to focus on that to remind yourself of that so it's, a, it's not as easy as just saying mindfulness is good, it kind of helps you get balanced and in the now and present it's, uh, it takes a lot of practice you just can't it do it in one does. session
1: That's right. yeah. it does take a lot of practice <clears throat> but the way we deliver mindfulness is that you get aids to help you practice so if you're if, if, if really you're devoted to making change in your life, right and you are required to do 15 minutes a day to make that change. So say, for example, uh, people say to me, uh, Right, Siobhan, a wee half hour walk every day would do you the world of good. And I'm going, Do you know what? What's half an hour out of my day? I'm going out and I'm going to walk from Platte to Port Lanone and back again. So there's my half hour exercise done. So then if somebody says, Siobhan, 15 minutes of mindfulness practice every day, Will have huge benefits to your life, and I'm going exercise mindfulness, exercise mindfulness. No, I'm going to focus, and I'm going to do mindfulness 15 minutes every day. Do you know what? It's not a big investment of time, but there's dedication, and there is practice required.
0: It's getting into a good habit, like it's getting, it's creating new habits for yourself. That's it. And
1: do you know what? We can do it when we decide to go off
0: sugar. Yeah.
1: Or well, maybe for some it's not easy, but you know, the other week I thought, Nah, I'm going off sugar, so I just went off sugar the good thing is i didn't take a lot of sugar anyway so it wasn't what you would call a big sacrifice so if i was to say you know i'm going to focus on my energies and i'm going to go to the gym on the way home from work four days a week Mm. that's a big commitment of my time and it does take focus and i need to want to do it
0: But but i think i think part of that you need to be fully aware of the benefits and the outcomes because I think there's a, personally I see it's everybody talks about it now as if it's like this common currency. Oh yeah, mindfulness, yeah, 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 mindfulness and all that sort of stuff. And as part of a bigger picture, there's a you know you go back to two thousand two thousand years, the Stoics, um, Cicero and Marcus Aurelius and their writings. They just talk about trying to live a good life. So if you just take the very basic premise of trying to live a good life, what sort of stuff do you need to uh, make habitual? that leads to a good life right uh-huh. so it's probably not brilliant to cope a couple of bottles of Grey Goose into every Friday night so either really? well <laughs> a bit of balance uh-huh. like a bit of balance one bottle I'm maybe joking, yeah. Um but but and then and then considering the food you eat and everything else yep. so the food the drink um, the emotional and the spiritual side mm-hmm. of it so the four balances that you've got control of the difficulty you have is that the communication you know we talk about um, advertising and the messages coming out the message about five a day like uh, some of the messages about drinking Coca Cola, still, Coke is good, Coke is great, Coke is yeah, happy, you know, yeah. alcohol advertising, and everything else. Society is not really making it easy for people to make those shifts. Yeah. You know, so people think yeah. that mindfulness is almost like a, some kind of replacement for some of the traditional religions and that, but it's not it's at all. really not. It's it not really is
1: not. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, what mindfulness is, mindfulness is and is not. You see, it's important to know what it's not.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's not a
1: religion. Yeah. Actually, it's a way of living your life. It's a way of, um, I suppose, bringing some order to your life. Because a lot of our lives are pretty disordered. You know, and it's pretty stressful living this life. And I suppose everybody's dream is uh, enjoying their life and taking the time to enjoy their life by whatever means. You know, if it is a bit of exercise or things that you know that are good for you, like the five ways to well-being... Um, taking notice of what is going on in your life is very very helpful
0: so the, the key to all that is education so if you don't know something you can't be blamed for not knowing it but mm-hmm. if, if you have an idea or you have a suspicion that things could improve by embracing something then yeah but you should learn about it but the burden is not really on people to learn is the burden on you to educate and go out and be evangelical and preach the word then
1: yeah well evangelical yeah. well that's, okay. the, that's it will not be evangelical but at the end of the day it's it's like anything new that's introduced to to northern ireland i mean frank has been practicing mindfulness now for 30 years so therefore it is not brand new
0: yeah as
1: an organization it's still quite new for us and what well, i mean we have a website and there's a page, a page dedicated to mindfulness uh, we have our mindfulness facebook page we have a mindfulness twitter account um, and what we're trying to do is encourage people to learn about mindfulness and to know what mindfulness is. Um, and really to look at the benefits of mindfulness because if you, if you look at the regular guy in the street, some people will go, mindfulness is just not for me. And you know what? I'm not going to go out this door and grab them and lift them and take them up the stairs into our mindfulness suite. I'm just not going to do it because you know what? We've all free will. But it's on the basis of what we know as you say, Paul. And it's on the basis of having conversations about mindfulness and tasting mindfulness, trying mindfulness to see if it works. Yeah. Because there's there is only one way that you will find out if mindfulness will work for you, and it's by
0: actually practicing. So the the two the the two times that I got involved in it with Frank one was that six week session and the other time was when he brought his friend from San Francisco over and he did something in the Zen Center in Belfast, and on both both occasions. I can honestly say that the diversity of person and background and orientation and religion and socio-economic category was from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. And people that are going to some of the sessions that I've seen, they're aware that they have a great need to get stuff sorted out. Mm-hmm. But it's too late to wait for that moment sometimes. But the day you realise that you're not in great mental shape is the day it's yeah. beyond help. And one of the things that I would say, and I I would be relatively evangelical about it, despite the hypocrisy of not practicing every day. But I get, I get that I can go for a walk up around the brandry Lock, and I can see stuff, and I can just take in what's there because it's a great place to get your head showered and and chill out and be be in the moment. But but for businesses, like for the benefits for uh, people working in banks, solicitors, accountants, people working in t- teachers, yeah, uh, politicians, mm-hmm. for people who are working where they kind of have. An obligation to be on the outside perceived as perfect mm. and there's an image you know you know don't that's you know where we are we're politicians, but everybody is nobody's perfect no. um, how, how do you
1: everybody is suffers from stress to some degree, not everybody that's a huge generalization the lucky few who don't suffer stress um I would like to to learn how, they must yeah. be practicing
0: mindfulness daily. <laughs> Me too.
1: Uh, it's it's really then to to engage at a level with people that they understand what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is about bringing the mind home. It's about having peace of mind. It's about learning to bring those stress levels right down, which then enables you to focus on, as you said earlier on, Paul, you're coming home from work, you're stressed today, Paul's you had a really bad day at work and you're nipping at people and you're maybe you know not engaging with your family whatever you've you know you're going to to work even worse the next day whereas if you have techniques that you can use to de-stress instead of distress it's de-stress to de-stress the mind to de-stress the body actually then to take the the power and the flame away from that stress that you that you're suffering Actually, it's a very powerful tool.
0: So the, we talked about before we we went uh, went on air there that there's a um, I do a bit of work with um, sports psychologists with sales teams to try and improve performance or certainly um, look at high performance behaviour in teams and individuals. Mm-hmm. And he 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 did a test through the University of Ulster with um, putting a heart monitor on a couple of managers in the. Ulster GAA championship about six years ago, and there was one guy in particular who whose team conceded a penalty in the last minute, and his heart rate went from 90 beats per minute to about 160 or something ridiculous. That even Usain Bolt, this was the example that he'd used that Usain Bolt or somebody similar could not have attained running flat out for, mm-hmm. for 20, 40, 60 seconds or whatever it was and the impact on decision-making. So if you talk about the emotional benefit as one thing, that we take it as a given that everybody understands that there's this emotional trauma that you go through or at least been distressed, rather than distressed, you're distressed. Mm-hmm. But if you're a senior business leader, if you're a policeman, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're somebody who is continually making really important decisions mm-hmm. and your heart rate takes a wee bit of a dander on you, you are not able to have that composed, uh, cool, calculated decision-making. Yeah. And um, for me, that being present, and as you said, taking notice mm-hmm. of that and being able to control it is very important. Mm-hmm. What sort of businesses are you working with right now? Just
1: We're working with businesses in the creative industries, um, PR companies. We're working with some banks. We're working with Queen's University. So we're working with a full range of business sectors across Northern Ireland um and really i think we've only put our toe in the water to be honest with you i think there's much more potential out there particularly for mindfulness and of course other things that are aware do because we're an organization with a full suite of programs which are available to
0: so what other stuff do you would you do you offer
1: so say we have uh our support groups which you might think what are you talking about a support group for when it comes to corporates well in actual fact if You are working in a business and do you think that some of your colleagues may be having some issues or problems or may be depressed because do you know what? After you've visited our website, you know what the signs and symptoms of depression are, that you know that a colleague is suffering, that you can say about aware support groups, right? So we have literature and leaflets, it's all online as well, about where the support groups are and what they do and really help people in their recovery from the illness. Uh, We have 23 of them across Northern Ireland, they're free to attend um, you don't have to ring up and book an appointment, you just walk in, right? And the walking in, we do recognise, is very difficult, so we would encourage you to bring a friend or family member or somebody that you trust to the first couple of meetings. But these things are ex- exist within communities across Northern Ireland, so they're in the most big towns and cities across Northern Ireland. So that's one really practical way that we help people. And you know a lot of people work, they're in work feeling low mm. mood day in and day out, um, but actually there is support out there, so we would encourage people to look at our website to find out about it. We do other programs in the workplace, like the Mood Matters in the Workplace program. It's completely different from the Mindfulness program. Um, it really is about you know, uh, resilience within the staff team. It's about looking at what mental health is, what it is not, recognizing the signs and symptoms, a lot about self-care, what you can do to help yourself. And you know what? We all can do a lot to help ourselves when it comes to our mental health. We've talked about the physical aspect, you know, the mental health aspect as well. The self-care is absolutely essential. Um, And really then signposting people to additional um, organisations that can support them, whether it's through bereavement um, or through marriage breakup or whatever it is. So there are a lot of things that cause people to become depressed. And it's just us being there in businesses uh, teaching people, really, the skills to maintain good mental health.
0: So yeah, the brand name is fairly relevant, like being aware, and it kind of speaks for itself. It if, certainly you, if you does. look into it a little, bit, that's a little it, bit deeper. That's it.
1: And, you know, I, I've always wondered, you know, about, well, aware. We used to be called aware defeat depression, and that was, was a kind of a, like a wordy brand, right? So what mm. we are now is aware. And what does aware do? Aware makes all the difference. Never mind awareness of depression making the difference. Aware. Being aware makes all the difference. Being depression aware can make all the difference. Because anecdotally, a lot of people have said that they had no idea what was wrong. They thought that this is just me. This is just my life. This level of feeling miserable is just me. So that low mood that persisted for years is just me. An actual fact, what they, they discovered when they went onto our website, because a friend suggested that perhaps you might be depressed, they went onto our website and they started to learn about the illness, yeah. and they were like, oh my God, I have depression, right? Yeah. So then they sought help through AWARE. So actually that, that um, education focus is really, really important, because no one, makes all the
0: difference there's no question a few people who've got who suffer from migraines and stuff once they feel a migraine coming on they know exactly what it is and they can go and take the, the preventative measures or, or at That's least right. trying to address the yeah. issues by taking right. either water or going for a walk or lying mm-hmm. down and taking and, but people who get proper migraines it's a proper migraine right so people who get you know depression is not whenever Jerome lose a game of football you know which didn't happen but once this year, but it was fairly really, uh, disappointing. Maybe yeah, let's say, not
1: not, not yeah, depressing.
0: Move, move, moving swiftly on. But if you yes. if I, 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 can honestly say that whenever you're, um, when you're depressed, you, you, being aware is probably the best thing that could ever happen yeah. to you because. And you
1: know, Paul, when you when you think about depression, right? So it's like, as you say, the, the levels, right? So you have mild depression, you have moderate depression, you have severe depression, you have recurrent depression. So for mild depression. That self-care stuff around exercise, diet, just looking after yourself, knowing what to do, getting out for a walk, meeting friends, doing something, going to the cinema, that actually can be as effective for somebody with mild depression as medication. and that's And that's, yeah. that's, that's well known. Yeah. Moderate depression, then, our program, Living Life to the Full, is really effective for people who have moderate depression, and it's like group cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a talking therapy. And what they do say is, if you talk about it, then, you know, that... That actually helps to open up the conversation. So our Living Life to the Program, Living Life to the Full program, looks about your thinking style and how it impacts upon your behaviour, how it impacts your feelings and your physical aspects of it. And I did the Living Life to the Full program as well, which I found incredible, incredibly effective for mm-hmm. me. And I'll give you one example, right? And I'll make it quick. So I live forty miles from Belfast, right? And I used to get into the car in the morning, used to grip the steering wheel really, really tight and drive up the road going, oh my God, oh my God, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen, this one's gonna say that. What am I gonna say back? Like an hour in the morning Mm -hmm. with that, I mean, the muscles in my arms were (laughs) quite startling, but the levels of anxiety that I were feeling was just Mm -hmm. outrageous. I was coming into work, I was already stressed. And you know what? I had to make the journey home in the evening again. Mm -hmm. Same thing, into the car, oh my goodness, this one said that, whatever. So I was going through the Living Life to the Full program. It's a six-week program. It runs throughout Northern Ireland. Last year, we delivered 72 of them. Really effective, clinically effective for people with mild to moderate depression. And it got to the stage where they started to talk about thinking styles. And they mentioned this word catastrophizing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that was me. Yeah. And the minute I knew that it was actually a thinking style and it could be labeled, I was like, that is not... That is not reality. That is just how I'm thinking about it. And the minute I learned to label it, I actually disposed of it. Mm -hmm. That was it. Put the window down, out you go. And people say that, you know, some of the stuff we do is life-changing. I would say that changed my life because, you know what, there was two hours of my day freed up from that anxious mind, that thing that was going on in my head. And I say, that is absolutely spectacularly amazing. Right? So when I did a mindfulness program... You know, when you're lying in bed at night and that chatter is going on, that absolute will never shut up. And I couldn't control it. So this this conversation was going on in my head. It was like a reality show going on in my head and I'm going like ah, da, 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 da. what happened today? What, do, what will I do? Bang, Siobhan, bring the mind home.
0: Yeah.
1: A technique I learned through the mindfulness program, bring the mind home. Bring it from away out there in the in the future where you're when you're you're looking forward to something or you're worried about something or thinking about things in the past that have gone and you can't control, bring the mind home to the here and now, because this is the only place and time where you can find peace.
0: 100%. There's a, um, there's a lot of stuff that you're, you're talking about there that, that and perhaps at the risk of making this sound that it's only beneficial for certain people. Everybody who's walking outside in Belfast today, anybody who's involved in anything from whatever you're doing, you're, you're getting bombarded with, hundreds of thousands of different communications from different people technology has altered and arguably for the worse our lives we've got your mobile phone is now your first screen, your TV's your second screen or maybe your computer is your second screen, your TV's your third screen but you've got these interruptions and unwanted guests coming into your life telling you what's good what's bad whatever else and I think more than ever you need to be able to take control of what your head is doing because the big brands the boys that are trying to sell to you are trying to take control of your head They're trying to influence behavior it's um you've got uh so much going on that that not just for businesses but for people walking down the street to be able to just put the handbrake on and just take notice of what's going on around you because on a day like today you know there's nothing wrong with walking outside and taking a joke of the trees and the sky and going up Absolutely. to cave hill or whatever even going up to cave hill in your head taking a walk away from where you're at and coming back in. Siobhan, I'm conscious of the time here. This is the, okay. um, a really, um, it's been very, very interesting. Um, it's been fascinating. I'm really uh, fascinated by this space. And why is this part of what I'm podcasting about? Well, from a corporate perspective, and I'm working with a lot of uh, SME sales teams and people who are trying to reinvent their brand, what they're looking at is productivity. They're looking at teamwork, they're looking at growth, they're looking at improvement, they're looking at growing their business. And you can't grow your business unless you try and grow your people. So for me, I see mindfulness and an engagement with the AWARE organization as beneficial for any business regardless of size, regardless of industry sector. The advertising people probably need more help than just speaking to, to, to you guys, mm. but it's not a bad start for the finance people anywhere there's any kind of pressure. But were you interested in growing a team and creating a more productive environment and I think this is it's a go-to for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I need to get some contact details off you then. So where would you uh, suggest people go to if they wanted to try and hook up with you?
1: Well, they can either go onto our website, which is www.aware-ni.org, and that's where you find the the full um, suite of things that we do as an organisation. If you're particularly interested in mindfulness, you can email mindfulness at aware-ni.org, and we'll get a response out to you as quickly as we can. And, you know, generally you can ring and speak to me. Okay. So my name's Siobhan, and the phone number is 90357820. And, you know, I can talk you through all of the programs that we do. And you know what? Never mind just the programs that we do. If you're there, if you're sitting, listening to this podcast, and you're thinking to yourself, do you know what? Maybe I'm not well. Actually, we can talk to you about that as well. So really, Paul, I mean, it's the balance within this organisation. Yeah. As a commercially, yeah. you know, driven organisation, who needs to be providing continuous services to those with depression, and the best way that we can do that is to work with others, to invest in what we do, and really to sell products. But there, that it is a fine line that we're walking because we can't be we can't be like completely sales driven because that's not our role. Our role is to care for those with depression, to prevent depression, right. and to provide services in early intervention. So that's what we do as an organization. The fact is, we've been here 20 years. We know our core business. We know depression. We have our programs which are clinically governed. We are an organization that can be trusted. It's not as if you're going to some cowboy on the street and saying, here, what do you think? Could you come in and do something for mental health? We've been doing it for years. Uh, I hate to use the word expert. Um, but well you know I what? think you should
0: do I, think, I we're, think as close should to be, we're
1: as close to being experts in depression yeah. as, as you can be yeah. and you know what a lot of people in the organisation have had the illness themselves so we're, we're not talking uh, nonsense we know what we're doing we've got our psychiatrist on the board we have a CBT therapist on the board we have a GP on our board so what we do is the, the best quality um, uh, product that you can have and you know what we can stand over it And we're pretty confident in our our knowledge about the illness of depression. But we also know that there's an appetite out there around well-being, around how do you keep your staff well, about how you keep yourself well, about how you can actually increase that productivity and how you can engage teams and teamwork and team building and, you know, actually be a good employer. And we've worked with the health and safety executive. We've worked with business in the community. So, you know, the product that we have is a very good product. Um... And if you want to learn more about it, go onto our website or talk talk to myself.
0: Yeah, I would I would certainly um, second all of that. I, for those organisations who are already providing Bupa and your gym membership free of charge when you join the company, um, there's nothing wrong with extending that uh, affection uh, towards the the mental wellbeing of staff. And obviously beyond that, there's the issue of depression, which is not just a secondary thing. It's very very important. So. Um, it's aware-ni.org uh, um, to get on the website and check out the full suite of information and the services that AWARE has to offer. And if you're interested exclusively in mindfulness, and I think if you're listening anybody, you really should, if you listen listened this far, this is 43 minutes, if you've gone this far, just drop the email now to mindfulness at org and find out uh, whatever courses are coming up uh, around you because um, To say it's life-changing is is slightly, uh, perhaps not right, but it certainly will change the way you think about your life. So, um, Siobhan, thanks very much. That was really enjoyable. My pleasure. uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you need um, to get at me, you can go to shift-control.co.uk. I'm on Twitter at shiftcontrol66. Take it easy, and I'll talk to you soon.